You're listening to the Good Girls Get Rich Podcast, episode 233. Welcome to the Good Girls Get Rich Podcast with your host, Karen Yankovich. This is where we embrace how good you are, girl. Stop being the best kept secret in town. Learn how to use simple LinkedIn and social media strategies and make the big bucks. Hello there. I'm your host, Karen Yankovich. And, you know, if you've listened to this show before, you know how immensely grateful I am for the amazing, amazing women in my She's Linked Up program. And the woman that you're going to meet today is one of those amazing, amazing women. I mean, these are world changers. These are people that are changing the world. And the topic, you know, I mentioned early on in our conversation, you'll hear me say to her that when we first talked before she was even a client of mine, when we first talked, I said to her, oh my gosh, this, what you do is one of the most important things and somebody needs to be doing a better job of this. And thank you so much for doing this work. So you absolutely need to block some time out and listen to Joy Evans today. I'm so excited to introduce Joy Evans to you today. Joy is a recovering perfectionist. She's an award-winning author. Joy had a 15-year career leading a marketing company that served Fortune 500 companies prior to burning out. By shifting out of the hustle and grind and by integrating more holistic, life-honoring strategies like astrology, Joy made more money, healed chronic asthma and back pain, and now enjoys life and work like never before. Joy's the founder, solo line business strategist, and lead certified exit planning advisor at Joyful Abundance International. This is the place where overworked CEOs, founders, and entrepreneurs get out of the weeds and into their solo line genius zones doing the work they love, creating the systems to take worry-free vacations totally unplugged from the office and grow transferable wealth in their business that will eventually support their next season of life. Joy's latest book, Achieve More by Saying Yes to Less, is available on Amazon. I am so excited to have you here today, Joy. Thanks for having me, Karen. It's a delight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is such a conver- it's such an important conversation. And I just don't think enough women have this conversation. And in full disclosure, Joy is a client. And when I first talked to her, like however many months ago, and she told me what she did, I was like, why are we not talking about this more? Why are more women not talking about growing transferable wealth. They're not talking about the exit plan. Like if you're a consult consultant or a coach or a therapist or a yoga teacher, we're thinking about like, what do we need for this month? Right. But we're not really thinking about a business that can not only support us, but can maybe support our next season of life. And I love that you talk about, I'm trying to think of how you describe it. You talk about work optional, a work optional lifestyle, right? That you want women to have a work optional lifestyle. So tell me a little bit about the work that you do and what made you get started on getting passionate about helping women or people, not even just women, meet people, CEOs, founders, and entrepreneurs kind of get more aligned with their souls and have a business that is not sucking their soul out of them. Well, like, that's a great question because most of us didn't just learned how to trade time for money. I mean, like that's was part of the process. And so as we evolve in business, it's not something that most people kind of fall out of their operating system. And so it's not a surprise that people aren't operating from a work optional lifestyle because the place that we grew up, what we watched, most of us watched our parents do was certainly not work optional. It was like work is required in order to pay the bills and do the thing. Right, right. Like this is part of the process, right? And so what I love to do is help people get to work optional in three years or less. And doing that 
I call it using soul aligned processes, essentially doing the stuff you love and that you're great at. And that's in your genius zone, as opposed to following all the shoulds. And this is what I have to be doing. And like most of us get too many things on our plate that are really not healthy for us, not supportive of our natural design. And, you know, the collective way that we've learned how to do business is a very, without being negative about it, it's a very masculine model. And for those of us who have ovaries and a uterus and other kind of hormones is not particularly conducive to the way those of us with that kind of biology need to operate just as a foundation. There's so much to unpack there. (laughs) There's so much to unpack there. But so, okay. So you know, it's interesting because we just had, I just had a conversation today with somebody about the concept of like overcoming objections and how that, and a sales call, right. And that that's uh-huh. a really masculine way of doing things. And it's, and like, everybody was like, oh yeah, we don't want to do that. I'm like, well, hang on a second. Hang on a second. At the end of the day, there are a lot of billionaire men that are billionaires because they learned how to overcome objections. So I'm not saying that the masculine way of doing things are wrong. I'm saying there's a way to do it that can feel more feminine, that you know, because overcoming objections isn't trying to force somebody that doesn't fit into buying something that you want. Sometimes it's about helping them have the courage, right, to take that next step. And and I love that you talk about it from a masculine feminine standpoint, because I think that there's no one right or wrong. It's just a matter of creating, as you call it, a soul aligned approach so that you are moving forward in a way that feels good to you. Yet it doesn't mean that that other stuff is wrong. It's just, there's other ways to do it. There's 70,000 ways to like reach the same objective. And so why is one way of doing things better or worse? It's not, it's like, if this is my way and it works for me, then that's great. If it's your way and it works for you, it's not, it's not, it's not even necessarily about the masculine or the feminine. All, both of us have those energies, um, you know, all of us Mm -hmm. have those energies inside of us, of course. And if we can be in listening of what's our unique design, what's our unique way of doing something, then we can actually get to a place where a, we feel good about the, what it is that we're doing on a day-to-day level, the process of growing or being in a business, as well as the process of leaving a legacy or moving towards transferable wealth where the the process of doing those things is an enjoyable thing as opposed to I'll be happy when I get to a particular result right. where my business sells for 4.5 million dollars or whatever you know whatever the right. Right. Well, you know, this episode will be episode 233. So I'm 233 episodes into the Good Girls Get Rich podcast, but going back to the roots of it, the title came from when you do what you love and what you're good at and what lights you up, that's where the abundance comes into your life. So, so it's fundamentally what the, at the heart, like what you're saying is at the heart of why I do the show. I want mm-hmm. mostly women to understand that when you, you know, you don't have to do the stuff you don't like just to make a living. Now, listen, I've done, I've done many, I've made that choice many, many times, not knowing any better. Right. And it's not like even that I think that, I don't look back with regret on any of that, right? I just didn't know better and here I am now, right? But now we know. Now we know we have options. We know that we can, you can build a business around anything you want. I firmly believe that. I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter what it is you love to do. You know, I think about I think about somebody that I know that I used to try to get her to cook for me. I love to cook. I happen to be a really good cook, but I don't have time. And I'm like, can you just cook for me? And she's like, you're a good cook. You don't need me to cook. I'm like, I am offering you money. Just because I know how to do it doesn't mean that you can't build a business out of that. Do you know what I mean? Like you, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm willing to pay you to do this for me. And you're arguing with me because you, because I know how to do it. Like, 
so, so many women think, well, because it's this, everybody knows how to do it. Cause I know how to do it, you know, like, and they don't understand, they don't understand the value of their skills and of the things that they love to do. Cause it doesn't feel like work. Right. And that's the truth of it. Most of us have learned that the way that you make money is by doing things that are hard or not enjoyable or that feels like efforting. And the truth of the matter is most people's genius actually lives in doing the things that come much more easily and doing the things that time passes by and they didn't even notice. Oh, like three hours went by really quickly because I was like so engaged right. in the in the process of of being. Right. And that's actually when we're in that role in our business in whatever way that that is, we're actually more engaged and more useful to the business in a way that's operating from our overflow. And to me, that's kind of where we move into work optional, where we're working in our genius zone and we're participating, not because we have to, not because the business depends on us anymore, but right. from the place of, hey, I'm choosing to participate in this way because it's supportive and fulfilling to me out of soul, heart, you know, whatever, however you want to name that right. kind of place. Right. And you can move on to something else if or when you choose to. So your business is right. exit exit ready at that point. Well, let's talk about that because that's the piece I don't think enough women talk about. And that is exit strategy for your business. And it's really interesting because I don't have any immediate plans to exit my business. But a couple of, maybe like a year ago, I was doing some you know, exit strategy work in my life. Like what, you know, doing my wills, doing my, doing mm -hmm. wills and, and, you know, like healthcare proxies and things like that. And one of the things that I brought up to my attorney was my business. And I'm like, well, I gotta, like, what happens? Like I have people that have contracts with me. Like if I dropped it tomorrow, what happens to all that? So basically we just put something in there about, you know, assessing the value of the business, blah, blah, blah. But I, I couldn't sleep at night then. Cause now I'm thinking like, cause you know, I love you guys. Like I love my clients. I don't want to leave anybody hanging. So I say to my kids, I'm like, well, you guys have to understand that I got a business. You got to figure that. And they're like, you're dead. What are you talking about? Nobody, nobody cares about your business anymore because you're dead. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it works. So like, I really started to stop and think like, what is the plan? You know, like, what is the plan? Like, how can I create a plan that not, I'm listen, I love my kids and I do want to make life easy for them where I can, but it is really not about that, right? It's really yeah. about being resp responsible CEO, right? Being a responsible CEO and saying, you know, and, and if my kids get a benefit because they've got somebody that understands the value and that I've been working with somebody that, that has a clear path to the valuation of the business and does it get sold? Or is there somebody in place that can take it over or like, what's the plan? And it just never occurred to me to do that until I started, until I did my will and was like, what am I going to do with my business? So, and I can know that I'm not alone because I talk to so many women and I know, you know, that, which is why you do what you do. Right. So tell me a little bit, like, how did you get started on that piece of this? How did that start to become something that you focused on? Well, a couple of reasons. One, because I had a life, what I call a lifestyle business that was very reliant on me when I was running the marketing company. And because I did not have the education that I needed at the time, I didn't have the experience, the exposure, the mentorship, like you name it, any of those mm -hmm. things. I didn't know that it would have been great for me to consider that an asset that I could transfer to somebody else. I was certainly serving Fortune 50 companies. Like there was something definitely there, but I didn't have the maturity or the wisdom to be able to do something with that. So when I was complete with that business, I let it die. I walked okay. away from money that was on the table. I don't want anybody else to do that. I now look at, you know, what my parents have done. My dad was an entrepreneur as well. And 
he did the same thing with his business. You know, not a surprise that I that I did it with mine. I, you know, the initial business that I have, and so like this next version of experience, I've had a couple businesses since then, and this next version of experience, there is a, a transfer plan and process, and that's not something that will happen again to me, or you know, that I want to happen to anybody else. You know, my dad's in his seventies, and he's still working more than he ha- he needs really needs to, based on the opportunities that have been in front of him in his life. And right. oh, it's that's not because line. he wants to. Right. Right. Because he didn't plan properly as most people don't like, it's not like, and nobody really teaches us that. And it's so funny. I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. My family are teachers. So they all have pensions and health benefits for life. And like, you know, there's like, you could argue that, you know, entrepreneur, I mean, like a teacher is going to get like a 2% raise or a 5% raise and they have a lot of security and they don't really have the opportunities that entrepreneurs sometimes have, right? But but if you don't take the opportunities as an entrepreneur, then you're worse off than people like with the pensions, right? For so sure. so I right now, like, and most people that are coaches or consultants or online marketers or, you know, whatever your business is, you know, therapists, whatever, you have an asset, right? You have an asset just like a pension. But if we don't treat it like an asset, then it's not, then it doesn't ever become, you don't ever get the value of it as an asset, right? Does that make sense? And I had to like think twice to, to really realize that, that this business is my pension. You know, it's the opportunity to sell this business or, or even parts of it or, you know. Well, it could be a business, right? It could be an asset, but Mm -hmm. most people don't learn how to treat their business and look at their business like an investor, like an asset. They Mm -hmm. look at their business like a J-O-B. Right. And so when the business revolves too much around us, like we don't have a plan for how to get out of that so that it can be an asset, not a, not a high paying job. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like if the business is really dependent on any one person, that's the biggest liability to any kind of transfer of wealth. Nobody wants to buy a business that's dependent on one person who's going to leave. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So what are the, so how do you get started with people? What are the things we should be thinking about if we've shifted, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, by the way, I'm sure there's people listening to this saying high paying J-O-B. <laughs> I don't know if I have a high paying J-O-B. I'm the last person that gets paid around here. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's all different levels of people that are, you know, that are listening to the show. Of course. So tell me what, a little bit about what the first steps we should be thinking about are when we are thinking about what you're talking, all the things you're talking about here. So like there's a beginning stage of business, right? Where we need to take on all the hats and we need to get good at being flexible about doing things so that, you know, we get by without a bunch of money and we move to the next stage, which is essentially bringing on team members to, you know, support the process so that the business can scale in an ideal situation. Most of my people have some level of team that's available to them, even if they're starting with an, an assistant and you know maybe a web designer or a marketing person. Like they've got at least a couple of, of folks, and then they're in the stage of how do we like either they've got a team that they're not utilizing fully and they're still involved in everything that needs to happen, or they're in a place where they're not necessarily utilizing those people to their to their fullest. And so from that spot where. Originally, the business had to revolve around one person because there was no money to pay for anybody else. Then there starts to be money to pay for somebody else. But the habits that have come on board, the operating system hasn't changed. And so that switch, many, many people get stuck in that spot of the business is very reliant on them because they've got 
all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom, all of the, especially if it's a service-based business, the skill set to deliver what the product is. And so if they're still wearing lots of hats while having other people working for them, that becomes a liability in that next stage of scaling. So first step essentially is eliminate the number one liability for a business that if you're trying to build transferable business wealth is eliminate that one liability. The first liability is one business owner at the center of the business. And the goal is make yourself obsolete. So, okay. So I hear that and I get what you're saying, but like in reality, if you are, many of you that listen to this are shifting to entrepreneurism. They are, you know, maybe they're a solo, maybe they're a coach or a consultant, or like I said, a yoga Mm -hmm. teacher, like all the things, right. Mm -hmm. An artist, whatever. How do you start to make the shift to not be the center of your business's universe if you are the center of your business's universe? Yeah, great question. I think part of that is, you know, in terms of actually making that escalation so that you actually have resources to be able to hire support. And until we're at that place where, you know, there's the preliminary business stuff where we've mastered sales, for example, like we have clients coming in and all of that sort of stuff is happening. Like that's a stage one conversation. You need to get to that level before you can be at a place where the business probably can't be about you. But we also can be in conversation, you know, from the beginning of part of a business of what's the business model that you're moving towards that doesn't have the business being about you for the rest of your life. So do you help people design that? I can. It's not the primary place where I operate from because typically I meet people a little bit further along in their in their path. But oftentimes, you know, people will do a day with me to like reorganize. Like if they've got a business model that's out of sorts for them, the, right. they can't get to that scaling place if they're trading time for dollars or not charging what they need to be charging. Right. Like they need a business model that actually works. Right. You can't get to that stage of building transferable business wealth unless you actually have a business model that works. Hi, it's Karen, and I wanted to just pop in here for a second and let you know that this episode is sponsored by She's Linked Up, and our She's Linked Up family of programs are the programs that I talk about on the show. Joy is a member of of our She's Linked Up family. It is where we are helping women build the kind of wealth we're talking about today in this podcast. I mean, we need Joy to help us organize it and make sure that we are considering our exit plan but there needs to be some money to be able to do that, right? And that's what we do in our She's Linked Up program. We help you create opportunities and meet the kinds of people that can take advantage of those opportunities so that you are building generational wealth for your world. We're not really creating your business. What we're doing is we're creating the the people that are around you, right? We are being intentional about helping you meet the kinds of people that can invest in your highest ticket opportunities, that can have you speak at their events that can, you know, so, I mean, everybody's got some different reason for joining us. And one of the very first things that we do when we have a new client that joins our program is I get to spend some time with them and really get clear on what that big giant opportunity is so that we know exactly what our target is so that we can put a plan in place to help you get contracts for that target. So if you want to hang out with people like Joy and some of the other amazing women in this room, let's talk. Just grab a spot on our calendar. Go to KarenYankovich.com slash call. We'll chat a little bit to see if we think the strategies that we teach are a fit for you. And if we think they are, then we can talk to you about what programs might be a fit, what it might, what might make sense for you. And if you think it's a fit, we can go from there. But either way, the calls are just hugely valuable calls. We want to get make sure that you have some solid takeaways from these calls whether or not you decide to join us on the other side of it. But of course, you know, we love when people join us. 
KarenYankovich.com slash call get you on the calendar. And I look forward to seeing your name there. Well, you'll be happy to hear, Joy, that we were working on a journal for our She's Linked Up program. Oh, nice. And I was, yeah, I was meeting with the people today and I was like, take my name out of every, out of everywhere. Like, leave it in some places, but like, don't call, don't say your call with Karen, say your call with your strategy coach, your call with your mindset coach, or your call with your profile coach, your call with your accountability coach. Like, I don't want my name to be anywhere in that thing because I mean, at this point, the calls are with me, right? But for the most part, but you know what? Like, that's not sustainable for the rest of my life and nor is it sustainable to to, us to go the business, right? Sure. So, but it makes you think differently. Like I, to, a year ago, before I did my will and all that, I probably wouldn't have thought of that. I probably wouldn't have occurred to me to say, yeah, let's not keep, you know, it, of course, you know, their strategy coach right now often is me and they'll know that, you know, maybe we'll even put a, a place in the beginning that says, here's name, what's your strategy coach's name? What's your profile coach's name? What, you know, maybe we'll put that in the front of the, of the journal, right? So that they know who that is. But so, so these are ways that I am doing that, even though, mm-hmm. you know, at the moment we're not hiring new coaches to take over for me, but I do think down the road that that's going to have to happen at least, at least in some ways. Right. So, and for the good of my, my clients, right. Because if I, you know, if I get sick or can't do something, who's going to who's going to step in and support them, you know? So, so I think as we grow these conversations, we we think more about these things, right? Mm -hmm. So in your experience, what happens next? So now you've got this business and I know this is such an unfair question because there's businesses of all sizes, but (laughs) you know, are people like, are people selling their businesses? Are they selling off parts of their business? Like what is, you know, what is typically, what do you typically see with service-based businesses as they're building out their plan? Like what? Are, what are the options for? Yeah, for, like what options exits? are there for? Yep, yeah, exactly. You know, there's 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 many, and so this short list could be, you know, you sell to somebody else who is an expert in what it is that you do. Essentially, if you had a business that was essentially built around a lifestyle business where it was a job and you had, you know, people that you were serving and it was still based around you, it's not that you can't transfer it to somebody else. Like if you're a mm-hmm. chiropractor, you see chiropractor businesses transfer businesses to other chiropractors all yep. the time. But they're not going to get top dollar for that business because essentially they're trading a job. Whereas okay. if, uh, so if we use chiropractor as an example. Yeah, perfect. If, if the chiropractor has a business that they've got a couple other docs working for them and they're essentially in the work optional lifestyle of like, hey, I manage this business or, you know, I've got clients that I see, you know, patients that I see once a week or, you know, whatever, they can be there or not be there if they choose to. That's a very different situation because now they could sell to a company that's going to roll them up into some other, you know, a bigger chiropractic practice. They're going to sell for a higher price point as that because now you've got an investor who's coming in who's not looking to rep- like they're not looking to do any work in the business necessarily. Right. Um, they just want to make profit off of the business. And so that's a very different kind of transaction than if you are trading for a job. So this is like one side of the, the spectrum, you know, another but place right that you there, can- like, but can I just stop you right there? And then I do yep. want you to finish on that yep. but right there. Like, I hope you're listening to this because when you look at your numbers, are you looking at, can I pay myself 10,000 or $20,000 this month? Or are you looking at what is the profit? Like the investor doesn't care what you're paying anybody. It wants to know what the profit is, right? So it's not about necessarily what's coming into the owner's bank account. It's about the profit after you pay the owner, right? right. And that's the piece that I think a lot of people are missing. You know, if they're getting well-paid, like you said, well-paid, you know, well-paid jobs. you know, they feel like the business is really successful and, and you can continue to increase your pay if you continue to increase your profits, but not, but when you think about it from the 
would an investor look at this and say, Where, where's the profit? That's a completely different mindset to approach to your business. Profit makes a big difference. I mean, it's the part at the end of the year that you pay taxes on. A lot of people are actually resistant to paying taxes, but if you're paying taxes on stuff, that actually means you're making money. This is a good right. thing. Right. So what other options are there? What other um, so you could, strategy you could, options are you there? You could do things like you could transfer to, if you have a family member, you could you know create a legacy within your family and transfer something to them. You could transfer the business to employees. That's an option. And essentially, like if you're transferring to other people who may or may not have cash to buy your business, then the profit is important. Like the business needs to have the cash flow to be able to fund the loan that's required to pay you. So essentially the business takes a loan from the bank and it pays you. Okay. And then that's how that that transaction actually happens. Interesting. I never would have thought of that. I never would have thought of that. That's interesting. So without getting into like a lot of gory details about it, you know, there's plenty of different other ways that, but those are the main ones. Family member, employees, someone who's an investor of sorts, or, you know, somebody who is in, you know, your professional expertise who might be interested in your company. I love this. So I think the first step that I'm hearing is we need to remember that this is something we should be doing. We should be thinking about like <laughs> our, you know, what is your exit plan? You're just going to keep working until you don't want to work anymore and then close the doors. And if that's what you want to do, that's okay. Right. But know that there's an al- an alternative, right. And you make a choice. Do you want the alternative or do you want, you know, do you want to just dissolve the business at some point? But then what is the next thing that people should do? Like a first basic step is essentially have a contingency plan. Even if you're not doing full-blown exit planning and you're not working towards transferable business wealth, it's like, do you have a plan for what happens if you were in a car accident? Or if you had a, a family emergency and you just weren't suddenly not available anymore? Yep. Like, what would you do? And you know, would your spouse or assistant know how to cancel your call? Like, what would be the procedure of that? How to cancel cancel your calls for the day or what, whatever the case is. For right. me, for me, and part of what I'm looking at is the real health of a business is how long can a business stay in business if the owner were to step out immediately? Interesting. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. And so like a lot of the people that I work with, you know, they're working 40 to 60 hours to a week when they start working with me because, you know, they're still doing a lot of things and they can't take a vacation without their cell phone, you know, because the business just needs too many things for them. And the truth of the matter is there's no way to live, first of all, without taking breaks and being unplugged, which so it's impacts quality of life right now. But it's really a problem if there was something significant that happened to them or their family member or you know, they had a natural disaster where they lived or whatever, like what would happen to the business if they have employees? How do they make sure that their employees get paid in the meantime? Like there's like some, there's some real contingencies that we want to develop. But bottom line is if an owner cannot take two week vacation, a worry-free two week vacation without worrying that things are going to explode in their business, there's something really off about this, this situation. And the cool thing is in doing the work that I do with people, helping people get to work optional, A, we get to take vacations 100%, but it's mm-hmm. actually the way that we test. If I go away, do things fall apart while I'm gone? Oh my gosh, what's this? that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, what a great way. Oh, I have to go on vacation to test my exit plan. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll see you in Maui. I'll let you know I'm from the beach in Maui. I'm not going to let you know from the beach in Maui. I'll let you know when I come back to New Jersey, if that worked or not. That's brilliant. That's so funny. So it's really cool though, because lots of times what happens is because we've set it up and because we've tested in it, we've run tests in advance, 
you know, so that their team has, you know, what they mm-hmm. need to be in place for that, they can go and be on vacation and actually be worry-free. And oftentimes what happens is they come back and they realize that they could step back a lot more than they thought they could. That's interesting. I love that. I love that. So what did I not ask you about all of this that I should have asked you? Is there anything that you think we should know? Well, I think it might be helpful to talk about like what kinds of things affect the value of business. That'd be great. How, yeah. How, how do we yeah. calculate that? Is that interesting? I love that. Yeah. So, you know, obviously there's the, the, the tangible things, like how much profit are you making? Right. Okay. And you can't substitute. So if you're, if we are playing a role in our business, and we would need to replace ourselves with a manager or somebody else in our role. We would need to have a salary that's designating for that, then the profit after that. Mm-hmm. So if you and your business, like, let's just pretend that you pay your, I'm making stuff up right now. Maybe you pay yourself $200,000 or $500,000 or $700,000, but you could be replaced in your business for $150,000. Got it. Essentially, yep. you, can, you can roll the rest of that over into profit. Essentially, we need to be able to have all of the needs of the business met and then profit after that. And how we calculate the, the transferable business wealth is essentially there's a number called EBITDA, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a fancy way of saying adjusted profit. So we back out the stuff of anything that you're overpaying yourself rather than taking profit, anything that any expenses that you've run for the business that may or may not be necessary for the next owner or investor, any taxes, um, that kind of stuff. So there's a, a bunch of different technical stuff that we back out of that to create a adjusted profit number. And then there's something called a multiple. We multiply that times, it's a number that's a range that's determined, you know, in the time that you're actually looking to have the valuation done or the business sold. And that can range, you know, for a smaller business in a in the service sector, you know, it can be somewhere between one and five. Don't quote me on that because it, it moves. And mm-hmm. the, the that multiple, so let's just say that your business had a million dollars in profit in a year, just for easy, easy numbers. Mm-hmm. So we're at a multiple of one, that's going to be a business valuation of a million dollars, right? At a multiple of three, now we're at $3 million. So what determines can, the multiple? That's what we're going to come to next. That's all okay. the t- intangible stuff. Okay. So the stuff that most people focus on is the profit. Mm-hmm. What people mostly don't focus on that actually determines for the same business, whether you get a million dollars in that same circumstance or $3 million or $5 million or what, you know, whatever the number is, is that multiple. So the multiple is going to be determined by a lot of things related to risk. The higher the multiple, the less risk. Okay. So things that impact risk are going to be like, what's your customer concentration like? Meaning, is all of your income coming from one customer or from five customers or from 500 customers? Yep. You know, if, it, if it's the high cost concentration in one place, that's higher risk, so a lower multiple. Is your business reliance on any one person? If they left, would your business be able to survive? Like these kinds of things are really important. Do you have documentation for all of your processes and procedures of everything that you do from your marketing to your sales process, to your accounting, to, you know, every place that you have somebody in a role is like, is it systemized? You know, like what's your social capital, you know, whether that's, you know, your LinkedIn stuff, like you talk about, or, you know, other social media is, you know, what's your reviews look like on Google? Okay. Interesting. Yep. You know, these things all, these things all matter, right? What's the Mm -hmm. nature of your equipment? Is it new and well cared for, or is it old and needs to be replaced or repaired? Got it. 
Got it. Interesting. So, so how does that, who does, do, do you work with people on the valuation or do they work with accountants on that? Like, yeah, we have folks that help with the valuation. For most people that I work with, because my niche is mostly in working with businesses whose owner is too involved in the business, mm-hmm. those businesses don't sell. Like there's right. no tra- there's no transfer that's right. really, really available from that point unless you're selling to another expert owner. So Got that it. would be the chiropractor selling to the chiropractor right. kind of conversation. Right. But most businesses, the, the reason why the difficulty around selling a business in whatever respect is that Mm -hmm. only 20% of businesses that ever go up for sale actually sell. Really? So we need to actually be very proactive because there's too many choices and there's too much risk. So investors are very picky about what kinds of um, opportunities they're interested in looking at. Has Mm -hmm. your business been you know, increasing sales or is the market shrinking? And because your engagement has been decreasing as well, is your revenue going down? Like they're looking at all of these factors, right? Right. And so when we actually get into the conversation, you know, it's sort of like selling a house. You want your your business to have street appeal. Right, 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 right. I um, love that. I love that. This is such a good conversation. And there are times that I'm hearing what you're saying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't think about this. And then there's other things that I'm like, I need to think about this. Like, right. Like, so, but that's why we have you, right. So tell us, tell everybody here a little bit about how you work with people and how they can learn a little bit more about you and how they can learn about getting started, whether it's with you or somebody else in, because listen, if you are listening to this show and you even are thinking about being an entrepreneur, never mind if you are an entrepreneur, you need to be doing this. You need to book a call with Joy. I'm not sure if you book calls with people, Joy, but you need to book a call with Joy or you need to, you need to work with someone. You might as well start with Joy because she's, there's so few people doing this for our community. I don't know of anybody else, to be honest. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, the the biggest thing for most people is, you know, start somewhere. Have, you know, you wouldn't enter into any other kind of investment, not real estate, not the stock market, not anything else without knowing how you were going to exit if you're like leading with strategy. And the right. same, goes, same goes for a business. And even if we're in a business that we think that we're going to be in for a long time in our life and perhaps until we complete in life. Literally, mm-hmm. you know, I'm mm-hmm. in a business right now, right now that like feels like a sole business to me. And so for as long as I'm able and available to do that, like I'm going to be participating in this in some way. And that's great. And there's also a difference between having to show up to work and wanting to show up to work. And that yeah. is a level of freedom that most people never realize even in that spot. You know what I'll say? I, you know, I've got a couple, maybe decades on you, but I'm a little bit older than you. And Here's the thing. I say the same things as you, but the every year that I get older, more of the people that I know that I spend time with that I hang out with are retiring and they're on vacation and they're at the beach. And I'm like, I know I can't meet you for lunch. I have a call at noon. Do you know what I mean? So, so even though I love what I do, as time goes on, as years go on, you know, it isn't just about doing what you like. I don't want to do this anymore because I do want to do it, but it's a matter of, you know there's other things to do now that there really wasn't when everybody was working all day long. Right. So there's that too, just, just kind of throwing that out there. So how do you work with people? How can people learn more about you? Yeah, great. So thank you for the question. The first, I do have calls with people. I'm happy to get on the conversation and start a conversation. I call it a transferable business wealth roadmap session. And we actually look at where somebody is right now, you know, what their vision is, you know, whether that's, Hey, I'm looking to exit in, you know, eight to 10 years. A gentleman that came on with me earlier this month was like, Hey, you know, I've got eight to 10 years to like get to this number and here's where we are right now. And how do we get there? 
Right. And, and then we put together the plan of like what needs to happen right now. For most of my clients, they're in a spot where the business is too dependent on them right now. And so the mm-hmm. immediate urgency, both from the standpoint of the biggest liability in their business, if something happened to them, as well as they don't have the freedom in their life that they actually want. So right. going from, and and their business isn't saleable. If they wanted to stop doing, you know, if they turned around two or three years ago and their priorities had changed, they couldn't stop doing what it is that they're doing because they hadn't made the chips right. to be able to strategize their way out. So we look at what it's going to take to actually move from where it is that they are into that vision and really get them to work optional in three years or less. I love that. First of all, who doesn't want to have a work optional business in three years or less? So I, you know, that sounds amazing. And I will say like for, for one of the things that I said in my head, I'm like, okay, what do I need to be doing today? If I want to sell my business in five years for say $5 million, like what should I be doing today? It's a whole lot. It's like, it's like graduating high school or college and you're a senior and now you're like, crap, how am I going to get into college? Like, no, if you plan when you're a freshman to how you're going to get into college, you're going to get into the right college you want. Do you wait till you're senior? It's a lot harder, right? So don't wait until the day before you're ready to transfer your business or whatever. Like, do it now. Like, what can I be doing now to make that process easier, to make that process more successful, to make it, and as you're saying, only 20% actually even happens, but to make it actually even happen, right? So I love that you do that. So we'll have links to all your stuff in the show notes, but how, like, what is the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah. So you can jump on my calendar and sign up for that at more from joy.com more perfect joy.com. And there's links to my other stuff there as well. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn and Karen's favorite modality. Yeah. And she has a great LinkedIn profile. I do say so myself (laughs) connect with joy. So you know how great her LinkedIn profile is. All right. Listen, thank you so much for being here. This is such an important conversation. Maybe one of the most important conversations we've had on the show in a really long time, because I think that, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about strategies and all the things, but if at the end of the day, if my goal really is for there to be more wealthy women in the world, they need to be thinking like this. We need to be thinking like this, not just about how do we have more money in our bank account today, but how do we actually build real wealth? And this is one of the ways to do that. So thank you so much for showing up here today and for sharing all of this with our Good Girls Get Rich audience. Thanks so much, Karen. It's been a pleasure. I am so grateful for Joy for being who she is and showing up in the world and making people like me step up as real CEOs. You know, just when you think you're doing a good job at that, like somebody like Joy comes into your life and is like, yeah, but what about this? And you're like, ah, you're right, (laughs) that. So I hope that she, I hope that you got some of those aha moments as well. And remember that at She's Linked Up in our She's Linked Up family, we create wealthy women of influence. And if you want to hang out with some of these incredible women, grab a spot on our calendar. The link is in the show notes, or you can just go to karenyankovich.com slash call and get on our calendar. If you've listened before, or if you loved what you hear today, you know, we love to hear from you. Make sure that you're following this show wherever you're listening. I love your reviews. It'd be amazing. If you leave a review, that would be really helpful to me. And of course, I'd love for you to share this episode on social media, take a quick screenshot and use the hashtag good girls get rich and tag me and tag joy. All of our links are below. And then we'll be sure to share your post with our audiences. And that's how we all get more visibility, right? Remember in the show notes, there's also a link for SpeakPipe where you can leave an audio message. I personally respond to every single one of those messages. So leave me a message. Tell me what you thought of this episode, or maybe there's a guest you think I should interview or a topic you'd like to hear me talk about. 
drop a voice message for me on SpeakPipe. I love to hear your voice. So this isn't such a one-way conversation all the time. So just go to karenyankovic.com slash 233. You'll see the blog for this page. You'll see the link for SpeakPipe. And that's where we can have that conversation. Remember that a rising tide lifts all boats, right? I do this podcast to support you. It would be my absolute honor if you shared this or left a review for us. Help me help you. When you share this podcast, it helps me get clear on what episodes are resonating and it gets in front of more people, right? And then I'll share it with my audience and then, you know, win, 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 which is my favorite way of hanging out. So I hope this was valuable and I'll see you back here next week.